Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. ESPN. I got fake people showing fake love to me straight up to my face. Straight up to my face. I've been down so long it look like up to me. Christian Fowler. Is senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. We have a podcast, which episode 50, the Zebo episode just came out today. It's called On the Bluff. You can find it, Apple, Spotify, full-length video version on YouTube. Um, Christian is on X at C Fowler BCM. Christian, uh, how are we doing? How are we doing, brother? Doing wonderful, Gabe Coon. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. I'm still kind of shocked. We've we made it through 50 episodes together without killing each other. We've done a well, yeah. well done. Well done. Almost a year, as you pointed out to me, which seems obvious, almost a full calendar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, two more, two more, and we'll be there. So that's good stuff. Closing in. Yeah, that's good stuff. What What have you been up to, man? You been, You been good? You good? Yeah, everything's right. wonderful. Everything is wonderful. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, now, uh, it's it seems somewhat wonderful in the life of uh, Memphis football. Five and two, big win. I mean, I shouldn't even really say big win, but a, a convincing win, especially in the second half, over UAB. What would you think about uh, that game in particular? I think first half no good, second half uh, probably the best half of football they've played all year. They followed up the worst half of football, especially defensively, they've played all year with the best half of football. I'd say that's the perfect way to describe it. Uh, in the first half, it did not look good. I mean, obviously, offensively, it wasn't bad, but Defensively, they couldn't stop UAB, and it just felt like one of those games that, oh, my gosh, Memphis is going to find a way to ultimately lose this game on the road to UAB. We know the road woes that this team has had under Coach Silverfield, and it just felt in the first half like it was trending that direction. Fortunately, as you pointed out last night, they played some inspired football in the second half, 24-0 run. Uh, and they needed that. They didn't need to win ugly in UAB. I know a win is a win, but still winning ugly in that environment against an inferior team just would not have been a good look coming off of the two-lane loss. And then you would have had people questioning where the, I guess, mental focus of the team was if they struggled in Birmingham. Fortunately, they came back. They put together a very dominant Second half, they stayed clean with the turnovers. They were were able to run the ball, and they limited big plays in the second half, which we know are kind of the keys for this team. And when they hit those keys, they look really good. And when they don't, you have a first half like you did in Birmingham, minus the turnovers. They didn't really turn the ball over, but they were allowing a lot of big plays defensively. So it was a tale of two halves. Fortunately, the second half was the positive half. 
and uh, they covered by three scores. So you, you can't complain too much, especially about the last uh, 30 minutes of football. Now, I, uh, I have taken a look at every game really outside of SMU for the rest of the year. Bad teams. Christian, like yeah. I like truly like even going to next week, North Texas is probably like I think you could make an argument outside of SMU the best team that's that's left on their schedule. But I was looking through their defensive numbers, um, just just sort of this morning and a little bit last night. They're 123rd in yards allowed in the country. That's 468 per game. Uh, when you look at uh, how many uh, points they allow, they're 122nd in the country. Uh, they're dead last when it comes to rush yards allowed in, in, in the country. 269 and a half rush yards per game allowed. So hopefully the Tigers can take advantage of that. We know that, you know, in, in, in Ryan's era, it has been a little bit of tough sledding, but I think the O-line's improved and they've done a lot better job at allowing Blake Watson to go have good games. Had another 100-yard another game against uh, uh, UAB. And then I think their one sort of – you know, uh, a, a good part of their of their defense is their pass defense. They're right there at 32nd, only 199 pass yards allowed per game. But I wonder how much of that is other teams that's just everybody's going to run the ball. Off. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's I wonder how much of that is other teams just recognizing they cannot stop the run if their life depended on it. Yeah, North Texas is not a good football team. And, and like you said, it is the second best team that Memphis will play this year, more than likely, just because of their. Uh, their success that they've had on offense. They've been a pretty solid offensive team this year. They put up a fight against Tulane this past week, only lost that game by a touchdown. But I, I genuinely, you know, it happens. Stuff that, like that happens. I don't really care about that. I think I'm putting more stock into the FIU loss and Abilene Christian scoring 31 points on this team and the loss to Navy. Like, North Texas is not a good football team at all. And Memphis. Yep. Seven and a half point favorite. They should smash that. If they don't, it's going to be a little, a little bit upsetting, just because this is a team they should beat by multiple scores pretty easily. I mean, they should they should be able to do whatever they want to do offensively. Defensively, you come back to limiting big plays uh, because they they have made big plays offensively, but their defense is just so bad. As you pointed out, one of the worst in the entire country overall, and the worst run defense in the country. So Memphis should be able to control the game. They should be able to control the clock. They should be able to run the ball. I just I don't see any sketchiness in this game. There shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. But I like be. the one the one I, the one thing that does give you a little hesitation is Chandler Rogers, their quarterback is quite good. He has been he good is. this year. 14 TDs to 1 INT, 1700 yards. He threw for 340 and and Two TDs, no interceptions against Tulane. And I know UAB and Jacob Zeno, they had a nice little feisty showing against Tulane as well, and that didn't mean all that much. But that offense gives you a little hesitation, but it feels like a – it almost feels like a, a replication, like the exact same game they just played against UAB. Terrible defensively, um, North Texas is, and then offensively you have a little bit of hesitation. Yeah, because this secondary has shown that big plays can be had on them. And so that is, you're, you're right. That's the one concern. That's the one drawback that if North Texas is going to be competitive in this game and find a way to upset Memphis, it is going to be just purely by outscoring them. Like if, if North Texas win this, wins this game, it's going to be like 48 to 45 or something like that. It has to be because they can't stop anybody. 
So hopefully defensively Memphis is able to limit those big plays, maybe force some turnovers and sway that score in their direction. So yes, you're right. That's the only that's the only thing that could give you a little bit of pause. But Memphis is the superior team in this game and they should keyword should win relatively easy. I know road wins have not been easy to come by for this team, but this should be one that they're able to go get. So we've talked about 10-2 and two and an AAC championship being the excitement point for this fan base and getting back on board with Ryan Silverfield to at least a certain extent. I, I do sort of look at 9-3. and three. They should cruise to 9-3 and three realistically. Anything less than that, I, I would see where people would be a little bit frustrated. Um, but what do you think the likelihood is that they can go win out, beat this SMU team at home by the time they get to that game? Like, are you st- how skeptical are you still? Because we talked about this last week as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still skeptical. I know what the second half looked like of this game, but I also watched the first half too. So it, it, there's still a lot of skepticism for me in that regard just because they've got to go on the road a lot. And... Uh, I mean, like, I I keep going back to it, but they just haven't been very good on the road. Now, granted, those road games are North Texas, Charlotte, and Temple, which, in my opinion, just from watching this team, like, those are far inferior teams. Yes. But it's one of those things, like, I I don't know if the time has been announced for the Temple game yet. I'm not not going to act like I know all that. But say that was 11 o'clock kick in Philly. There's no one in the stands. You're playing a terrible team, like, that's one of those opportunities where a team could pull an upset. BYOE, you know, like, bring your own energy for the rest right, of the year outside of right. that SMU game, basically. Right. It has to be because it is going. The, the fans are going to be few and far between. And what's disgusting uh, is they're going to play in uh, three pro stadiums. No, 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 no. Two, two pro stadiums. Yeah. South Florida's at home. Yeah, Bank of America in Charlotte and Lincoln Financial in Philly that are going to be very sparse. But as far as my confidence level, it, it's possible. It's on the table. We know that like they're pretty they're pretty evenly matched with SMU as far as talent. Like I feel like those teams are are pretty close together, and I feel like they're inferior to the rest. So you feel like you go win those three road games and then throw everything you got out there against SMU at home and see see where it falls. Okay. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's possible. Yeah. It's on the table. But I don't. I don't think anyone would say that they're overly confident that Memphis is gonna is gonna win out. Now confidence level in nine and three. Every game outside of SMU. What's your confidence level in nine wins? Which on paper looks okay, but then you realize the competition they played. Yeah, I mean uh, they should. They should, like you said, they should cruise to nine and three. That shouldn't be an issue. These are teams that they're better than. They should go win these games. Uh, you get South Florida at, at home also is the game that we haven't mentioned, and they haven't been very good at like, like, this is the competition yep. level. It's just so low. And I, I know it's beating a dead horse at this point. We all know what this new-look AAC looks like, but it, it's it's in Memphis's advantage at this point. Honestly, like, you can go – run the table and, and see what happens with UTSA and Tulane and some of these other teams and potentially get into uh, the conference championship and a, and a nice bowl game. Like, those things are on the table, but you just have to take care of what you have to take care of. The, mm-hmm. the games that you should win, you have to win. And uh, even 9-3, and three, like you're saying, it's a little bit disappointing because the only three teams you would lose to would be the only decent three teams that you play all year 
in Tulane, Missouri, and SMU. You, basically, right. you don't win any surprising games. You don't win any close match pick em type games. You win what you're supposed to win. You lose what you're supposed to lose. And that's, you know, that's just. That doesn't excite that anybody. Barrier. It doesn't, yeah, no, it doesn't excite anyone because you're not exceeding what expectations may have been for this team. You're, you're basically hitting the bottom watermark. Now, um, talking with Christian Fowler at C Fowler BCM on X, we are five days away from, I don't know if people realize this, five days away from the first exhibition that the uh, Memphis basketball team is going to play against Lane College at FedEx Forum. It'll be a 2 p.m. start time on a Sunday. Um, when you talk about meeting expectations, what do you think? Do you think this team will meet the expectations that I think a lot of us in the media have set? Like, we, I, the, the amount of experienced talent they have on this roster meets what we think wins in college basketball. Do you think they will reach the expectations that we have set at this point? If there's ever a year where I've went into the season feeling like Memphis could meet and or exceed expectations, it is this season. I feel like this is the least amount of unknown that a Memphis team has had under Penny. You think about the first couple of years, Penny kind of working it, or the first year was pretty barren, uh, right. bringing in bringing in like Tyler, Tyler Harris, Alex Lomax, having Jeremiah Martin. Like no one expected Memphis to be great team. Like twenty wins was was kind of what people were marking success with, and they ultimately hit that. Then you go into the next season with the number one recruiting class. Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty. With that, with how many young players Memphis was bringing in, but I will very, say very, there, there were there were definitely some oh, the pretty there were lofty were expectations, and yes. I think Penny at that point definitely fed into those expectations. Yes, for sure, expectations were at an all time high since two thousand eight. At that point, we know how that worked out. It didn't work out very well. Then um, you go through the next couple of seasons. You look at what's left over. Um, I, th- I think what they had left over from the guys that had left, James Wiseman, Preston Chiwa, and then you bring in a, another massive recruiting class in 2020 with Duran and Imani Bates, same thing, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, it was a tale of two seasons, and then you go into last year, and it's uh, it's a lot of transfers that don't necessarily have a ton of name value, but you bring in Kendrick Davis. Uh, they, they exceed expectations. So it, it's always been so uncertain, I feel like. And I, I think the only point – that people can go to this year and say we're uncertain about this is just what this team looks like playing together. There is no question of the talent level of this team and the experience of this team because that's been the two points. Is, is, it, is it the talent level for Memphis or is it the experience question? Those have been the questions throughout Penny's tenure. You don't have either one of those this year. The only question you can ask is will this team mesh? What will the chemistry look right. like? in mid-November and early December when they're playing uh, the toughest stretch of their schedule. So in my opinion, I, I think the odds are is that they meet or exceed the expectations that have been set because this is the best team that Penny has put together. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, do you do you care to make any guesses on a starting five, potentially, what that's going to look like at this point? I think, I think the one and two you feel pretty confident about um, and Javon Quinterly and Caleb Mills. I think at five, you feel pretty confident about Jordan Brown. The question would be three and four. You know, I, I think they're sort of the Nick Jordan, Jaquan Walton, David Jones conversation that, that, that we're going to have at least uh, before game one against Jackson State. 
Yeah, that's that's the three guys that are vying for those two spots, and I, I would I would find it hard not to see Nick Jordan starting at the four. Now, obviously, I can see a scenario where they start David Jones at the three and Jaquan Walton at the four, and that's perfectly fine, and that definitely makes sense. And then you bring Nick Jordan off the bench, but just as a guess, I would say Nick Jordan at the four, Jaquan Walton at the five. I mean, sorry, Jaquan Walton at the three. We know Jaquan's been right. on campus and practicing with the team longer than David Jones at this point. So that would be my like my best educated guess would be would be Jaquan Walton and Nick Jordan. But if they roll out David Jones and and Jaquan at the three and the four respectively, but, not going to be surprised either. Just I, I think we know what Penny does with lineups. It kind of just depends on matchups and what he feels feels like he needs in that game, especially to start the game out. Something tells me, just generally speaking, one of David Jones or Jaquan Walton will will likely come off the bench. Just considering you you want to have you want to have some scoring punch when you when you sit down the starters. And we know that in the past, and I know Penny has cut down on his rotation, especially last year, because you know I don't know if he had as much talent as he has as he has on this particular team. I think he'll probably widen the rotation a tad bit, but I feel like he's going to want that scoring punch from one of those two off the bench. Yeah, I completely agree. So either way you go with that, I think it works out. And it just depends on, on how he wants to kind of put all that together. Because, you know, a guy like Jaden is going to get those minutes, get minutes with the second lineup as, as he's done throughout his career and been, you know, relatively successful and maybe underratedly successful coming coming in with that second unit. And then you, you add him and Jalen Young and a couple of these other guys with someone like David Jones or Jaquan Walton, and you really like your second unit. And that's something that maybe Penny Hardaway seems haven't necessarily had is a second unit that you feel comfortable with offensively. Defensively, those second units have have yeah. historically been really good, but you haven't had much offensive punch in there. So with with a guy like Jaquan Walton or David Jones, whoever it whoever it ends up being, I think you feel a lot better on the offensive end of the floor with those guys coming off the bench. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. With the second unit. Now for the other basketball team in the city, the pro basketball team in the city, they got some nasty news with Steven Adams being out for the year. He's going to get surgery on his PCL. I think, from what I understand, like 10 to 12 month recovery time. That's not, That is no fun. 
especially right before they're about to play tomorrow night against the Pelicans to open the year in FedEx Forum. But um, how much has this adjusted how you view the Grizzlies, like from a from a Western Conference placement standpoint? I mean, it's uh, just to start off, like it, it sucks because we really haven't seen this Memphis team at full capacity with Brandon Clark and Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson, especially Jaron Jackson playing the way that he did for the majority of last season and John Morant and Desmond Bat- Like we haven't seen Memphis's full complement of weapons together. And it, it it's going to leave that question of what if always, especially if yep. this doesn't end the way that, you know, that fans want it to, you know, if it doesn't end in the Western conference finals or whatever that, that watermark is for this team for fans, it's always going to be a question of what if, because now it's, well, do we ever even see Steven Adams come back and, and play for the Grizzlies? Like we don't know exactly what's going to happen with him over the next 10 to 12 months while he was recovering from this knee surgery and it. And, you know, do they try to trade for another big? And I'm sure that's, that's something that you want to talk about as well. And uh, it, it's just, it, it obviously hurts them. We saw what this team looked like without Steven Adams in the playoffs last year. It's a big reason why they weren't able to win and or be competitive against the Lakers in the playoff series. They just didn't have anyone to match up with the size and physicality of the Lakers. So it, it just is really unfortunate. And I don't know exactly where it puts them in the pecking order, but it's uh, it, it's once again, it's a what if. So what would you like to see with the Grizzlies? Do you, uh, big move, get a Clint Capella out there, whether it be you know later in the season before the trade deadline, right now in the offseason. I know they just signed Onyeka uh, uh, Okungwu um, to a four-year $62 million deal, so the, the Hawks, I should say. So maybe they're trying to move away from that, um, uh, from Clint Capella ultimately, so maybe he could be on the table. I know people have brought up Robert Williams. I think there's that big splash and then there's that holdover and hope that Steven Adams can come back and, and give you a couple years, if not just a year of, of, of solid service going into the 24-25 season. Like, I, know, I don't think there's an obvious right answer. What do you hope that the Grizzlies go – how do you hope the Grizzlies go about um, sort of replacing what, what Steven Adams bring to, brings to the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I would say I'm I'm in lockstep with a lot of fans on this, and you would hope that they try to make a bigger, splashier move. And it doesn't have to be the biggest name value. It doesn't necessarily have to be Robert Williams. But someone like Clint Capella, he's still a solid player. And I know he doesn't have the name value or the the youth necessarily of of Robert Williams. They're probably around the same age, honestly. I feel like Clint Capella's been in the league for 40 years. (laughs) Yeah. but that's what you hope for, right? Because you want someone who's going to be a difference maker. You're already missing your best player for 25 games to start the season. So you're already behind the eight ball. So why why wait until the trade deadline? Why wait until this is maybe a 500 or below team to make a move or to try to, to, try to do anything? Because it, what we've seen from this front office, is not big splashy moves. So if I had to bet on what they would do, it'll probably be, you know, a holdover guy, someone that they feel like can come in and maybe play some quality minutes, but not necessarily move the needle a ton. But with a team like this, with the youth that they have, um, with ascending stars in particular, Desmond Bain and, and Jaron Jackson, who will kind of be leading the way for this team early in the season, 
why not bring someone else in who can be a difference maker on this team? Why bring someone in who's not going to move the needle and who's not going to change anything and you're still going to have the same issues? Or, or as you said, you're hoping to maybe fix or lessen some of those issues. Why, why not go try to capitalize on the youth that you have right now? Yes, it's unfortunate that you lost Steven Adams. Yes, it's unfortunate last year that you lost Brandon Clark, but stuff happens and you have to be able to adjust on the fly and make the necessary moves to keep your team competitive and competing for ultimately every team's every team's dream, which is a which is a trophy. Now we always talk about this though, and we talked about it on several occasions. It does go to show, man, you can think that a window's gonna be open, but unforeseen circumstances always pop up. When you think you have that championship window, here comes John Morant getting suspended, here comes Brandon Clark tearing his Achilles, here comes Steven Adams having to get a season ending knee surgery. Here comes Zaire Williams with a year two slump. Like people can try and hope that three guys under 25 in the NBA that are sort of all-star caliber players, they can hope that that will lead to a championship, but you never know because all those other pieces surrounding or even some of those pieces that are fantastic, like John Morant, they could run into some issues. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why you have to be aggressive when you can. Because what if you look back in a year or two and... You don't want to say what if. Right, and the band's kind of breaking up, and it, and that's exactly what the front office is saying. What if we would have tried to make this move or be more aggressive? And that's why I love front offices that are aggressive yep. in general and in all sports. I mean, we talked about this last night, and I, I know I'm relating it to a different sport, but teams like the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL, what they're what they've done over the right. last couple of years to go all in on on not having to pay a quarterback premium money. And I know we're comparing apples to oranges here, but they went all in because they know they're not paying a quarterback $50 million a year. They trade for A.J. Brown. Now they trade for Kevin Byard. Like they're doing everything they can to capitalize on this window. And so when it comes to that window, and I know that's one of those terms, it's like how do you necessarily define it? And it's a little bit out there. But when you see it, you know it. And you should, as a front office, capitalize on it. Because what are you saving for? You know, like, what are you waiting for? Because you don't know exactly what's going to happen in the next year. Just like we didn't know what was going to happen in the past 12 months, you don't know what's going to happen in the next 12 months. So capitalize while you can. Yep. Talking with Christian Fowler, at C. Fowler, BCM, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. We have a podcast. Make sure you check it out on the Bluff um, via Spotify, Apple, full-length video version is on YouTube. Now, do you have any hot takes on the Jim Harbaugh sign stealing uh sign stealing scandal? Any hot takes? I know I've thrown out a few. I I just I, the one thing that I can't get over and I know that this was a money saving rule made by the NCAA in 1994 cuz some of the lower FBS schools didn't want to send people out to do in-person scouting. But in-person scouting is just it while it may be against the rules and they have found Connor Stallions the analyst to be there on several different occasions over the last three years and buying tickets using his name, which is stupid in itself, I just really don't find it to be that that large of a deal, the in-game scouting of another opponent. Yeah, I'm with you. I think on like the surface level, when you're first getting like these updates off of Twitter and ESPN or whatever. It sounds it some, it, it feels sound, like it sounds worse than it is. Yes, absolutely. It sounds terrible. But then you read into it and you get the details on it and you're like, okay. I mean, any of us can steal signs. Literally, anybody. (laughs) Watch a game, go to a game. They do the signs. 
And you pointed this out last night. Like, they're on the TV copy. Like, you can see them watching the game from your house. They'll pan over to the sideline. And Unless see, they use those drapes to cover the cover the sides. Right. But, right. but not see, everybody does you'll that. See, you'll see GAs and uh, backup quarterbacks and offensive coordinators all throwing signals out. So it's not like it's some hidden thing. They're out there. It's in the open. And, and as you mentioned, it, it became a money-saving move in 1994 for the NCAA to quote-unquote level the playing field. So at the end of the day, like, yes, what they're doing is technically illegal, but it's really not that big of a competitive advantage, if at all. And I'm going to go back to a point that you made, like, okay, if they're having direct communication with the quarterback or linebacker and saying this, they just signaled this. You know, like electronic signals, yeah. then Then, yes, then that is as serious as it sounds. But if this dude's just going and watching games and taking notes on signals or taking videos of signals, like I'm kind of just wondering why the heck he went in person and didn't just get a get a copy of the game. It seems like it's it's making it way more complicated than it needs to be. But that's neither here nor there. So yeah. yes, on the surface it sounds bad, but like honestly, when you dig into it, it's not as crazy or damning as as you may initially think. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what are your thoughts about this leading Jim Harbaugh out of uh, out of college football? I am I am very high on that thought. <laughs> I, I got to say. Yeah, I mean I mean when you think about it, this is a guy who has consistently been asked to come back to the NFL. Right. And they're just making it more difficult on him and raising more questions as to why would he stay if he's constantly under investigation or constantly being pestered, especially if Michigan goes and wins a national championship this year, which is very much on the table. Yeah. They've, I mean, that's, what, that's what he wants to do, right? That's what yeah. he wants to accomplish is win a national championship. So at that point, really what would be holding him back from going back to the league? I mean, I remember last year or earlier this year, off season, whenever it was, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Jim Harbaugh. Well, was he gone. had he's had uh, the past two years. He had a Vikings interview in 2022 and a Broncos interview in 2023. Right, and, and a lot of the you know a lot of the NFL guys, a lot of the NFL media guys, uh, specifically Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, like they were very much hinting at the possibility that it was that it was done. Like it was leaning in the direction that Jim Harbaugh was going to the NFL. There were reports out about that, like basically done deal. Harbaugh's gone from college. right? So with all these investigations and stuff continuing to pop up and with the level that they're playing at in a national championship being on the table, because I know they haven't played really anybody yet, but they've been the most dominant team in college football. So it's on the table. And then especially if that happens, if they do go win a national championship, it becomes harder and harder to see him staying in the NCAA. Last thing, do you feel, speaking of college football, and you mentioned Michigan being dominant, even though they haven't played anybody, they're going to deal with Penn State, and they're going to have uh, Ohio State to end, the, to end the year. But uh, do you feel like any level of confidence in any one particular team to go win a national no. championship this year? It, it feels very similar to what college basketball was like this past season, right? in my, in my opinion. Like we said all throughout the college basketball year last year, that there really wasn't a dominant team. Uh, like we, there was no, okay, this is the clear-cut front runner that's going to go win a national championship. And I think college football is a lot of the same because you can point to a lot of highlights for these teams, a lot of things to where they maybe should be 
the best team in the country, but they all have holes, which is so strange. Georgia, uh, who back-to-back defending national championships, I don't think they have the quarterback to do it, and they're just not at the same level overall. Uh, I know they're undefeated. I know they've played really well for the most part, but you just watch that Georgia team. They don't look the same. Uh, Florida State, who you and I have both been very high on, it feels like, they have just as much talent as anyone, but they've kind of played some of these closer games that we maybe didn't expect. Um, Ohio State, don't think they have the quarterback to do it, which is unfortunate because it looks like they actually have a really good defense now uh, mm-hmm. and they have the best receiving quarterback. I was going to say, but at least they, do, they do have that guy, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> yes, they absolutely do. But and Ameka Ibuka hopefully comes yeah. back here soon. Right, Emeka Egbuka, Kate Stover has been really good at tight end for him, but Kyle McCord leaves a lot to be desired. So, like, honestly, when you look around, when you look around the top ten, uh, I, I maybe would have said Washington. I wanted to the give them week. credit until a 15-7 to <laughs> win at home over Arizona State where they right. just the biggest struggle win you'd ever seen. Right. So, I mean, Michigan is the team that has been the most dominant. And we'll see in the in the coming weeks when they do have to play Penn State and Ohio State what level they're really at. But when you look at them, like defensively, they've, they've been the best team in the country defensively. J.J. McCarthy is playing at a Heisman level. Uh, Blake Corum has been really good once again. Like overall, they've been the best team in college football, but we haven't seen them play anybody. So, like I said, every team that you can point to in the top ten and say that could be a national championship caliber team – they all have holes. Yep. North Carolina, another undefeated oh, that lost to that was Virginia. This nasty, week. <laughs> nasty work. That's Mac Brown at North Carolina, though. Yep, disgusting, disgusting stuff. I guess final thing: Caleb Williams gonna sit out the rest of the year. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't he? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I get. I, the only thing I'd say, why wouldn't he, is it kind of looks a little chicken ass, if you know what I mean. It does not oh, look. Oh yeah, no. I, yes, that, that <laughs> if, I if that, I'm talking that about. Would, but I think I, I don't think it would sway teams not to pick him number one overall. Absolutely you know not. what I mean? Like Absolutely we have we not. have we we sit out bowl games all the time. That doesn't mean a damn thing. I guess sitting out the rest of the season may look a little differently, though. Yeah, no, it may, it may bring up some some calls for concerns for teams, but not enough to right. not take him to at pass up one on overall. that talent. Exactly. Right. Right. So he, I don't, I don't think that he would ever do that. But I don't know. He said some pretty crazy stuff over the last few months, so I'm not going to totally rule it out. Yeah, the the saying he wants to have stake in whatever team he goes to, they'd have to change. They'd have to make the Caleb Williams rule to make that happen. Yeah, that that is the most wild request <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> and we don't even know if he made, made it. We just assume he made it. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to ask. Is that even like validated? Because I've seen it a couple times, but. Well, I don't I, like the only reason I, I've seen it sort of written. I think it was originally published in a report before the season by Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've gotten full confirmation, but based on the other things he said about wanting to, uh, you know, control where he lands in the NFL and all these other things, I don't think anyone doubts it. And I don't think he has come out and said that it's that it's completely false. And I feel like if someone attached that to your name and it was completely false, you'd you'd want to get out ahead of that and say something. Yeah, no, I mean it's been a it's been a wild ride with him, but at the same time, like we said, the talent is just it's too good to pass up on. Right. And I know he's been overblown. Like I don't. But think he's still he's a damn good. Of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, but he is incredible. He is at bare minimum the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. 
So, I mean, we're talking 11 years there. This well, I mean, argue, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence was a damn good prospect I, I coming out dis- as well. I don't, I don't disagree. I just think Caleb Williams is better as a prospect. Okay. I got you. I got you. I, I do think that the, the hype is just unreasonable at this point. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, I don't know why he can't just be an unbelievably good prospect and we can leave it at that. We have to just. He has to be Patrick Mahomes. Yes, he has to be Patrick Mahomes already off of schedule. That's how good he is. His talent is just overblown. But it's just that's how we do it. That's how we do. It. That's what gets clicks. I feel like. Right. That's, that's what I was going to say. That's that's how uh, that's how you get viewers and clicks. So yep. it's going to be said. Yep, for sure. Well, Christian, appreciate it, man. Thanks for hopping on. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely. See y'all next week. Yes, sir. That is uh, Christian Fowler, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media on X. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.